Okay, stop where you are. I'll pray and then you can talk and I'll talk and we've got a lot of things to talk about. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he. Zechariah 9, 9, first Sunday in Advent. Almighty God and Lord, we beg you, come to us with all your power and help us who are anxious and troubled. Send your helper and your savior that he may enter our hearts and with your light illumine our night through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, dozens of things to talk about. Uh, let's see here. Give you this. We changed the room on you. Better or worse? What do you say? Better. Is it? Okay, so it's about 20 extra seats. Uh, actually, I, there could be even, things could scoot. But they did a great job arranging it. There's about 20 extra seats. Some of you are table people. Some of you are happy to be chair persons. Uh, you can give us advice if you want, but we were at about... 150 seats or something like that rather than around 120 and it just kind of opens things up. We may have a little clutter by the coffee machine or something. Don't worry, we'll figure it out. Let us know what you think. And what we want to do is if you have a smaller group like Joy Group or Confirmation or Friday Morning Women, you still kind of sit together. You're not split up. So they did a great job with that, John and the vicar. Thank you very much to them. Money, if you toss it in the basket, will go to Christmas sharing. Uh, This group I know especially is active here. It's a big week in the church. Uh, Carol needs food, number one. Food in a can. Food in a can, not for you. Food in a can, meat, fruit, vegetables, hot and cold cereal. If you can bring that, you know, if you can just get it to the Christmas tree, don't worry, we'll get it there. She needs five people on Tuesday at 9.15. Never mind, she doesn't need that anymore. Uh, but she does need people, especially Tuesday, Thursday, and then, of course, anybody, Friday and Saturday. If you just want to come and have fun, be, be part of the buzz, you know, come Friday and Saturday, Friday night, Saturday morning. It's the most fun. Uh, you know, just come. It's just great. Even if you're just being nice to people, you don't have to carry anything even. I Just come and be part of the, be part of the festivities, festivities. It's good fun. Yes, please. Wow. Hey, Kirby, I'm making dinner on Tuesday. All right. <laughs> Romantic. She's not, well, she'll be somewhere. Okay, so uh, it'll be our secret. Okay, good. Some of you have asked about Israel. Um, thanks for your prayers. It's nice to be back where it uh, wasn't quite as bad as maybe it looked on the news, but it was interesting. So um, some of you have asked if I would uh, do some sort of a presentation. I'm a little always reluctant because I always feel like that's a little like you coming and watching my um, V8 videos of my kids going down the slide again and again <laughs> and again, right? Uh, on the other hand, we usually, usually what happens is that we take a little break over the holidays because people start to travel. So maybe I'll do it at this hour closer to Christmas. Would that be okay? Then if you want to see it, you can. If you want to avoid it, you have every excuse and you still love the baby Jesus, okay? So, you know, I, 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 I can completely understand why, you know, I, without the Facebook page, completely understand why you don't want to know everything about me and anybody that I know. I completely get that, okay? So, uh, good, all right. Sharing is What else? Anything we forget? Those are the four quick things I had in my head. Okay, thanks to the vicar for last week. Um, very happy. He's very good at teaching, and I was very happy that he could fill in. It actually takes a little bit of pressure off uh, me when I have a vicar who can teach well, so that's very, very nice. So thank you for that. Uh, you should have a new handout. It says 4C on it, um, but I need to finish up just a little bit from 4B before we get to 4C. 
you can still, I mean, this table is completely fine. You can, if you want, if anybody wants to sit, go here. It's great. Um, you're not going to pinch me. Um, in some ways, you know, I haven't said anything new to you in a decade. So, uh, but there's always more things to think about. And one is this whole notion of meditation. I think I told you there was the MSN thing about the happiest man in the world. They measured this guy's brain waves. Your good, his good brain waves were off the charts. He was a Buddhist, but all he thought about, spent time thinking about, was compassion. I mean, just tuck that away under first article, natural law stuff, you know. Um, but for you, you know, meditation is integral. And we sort of sometimes shy away from that because it sounds as if, uh, you know, that's Eastern, but it's not so. I mean, the very first psalm, blessed is the man who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. It's right there. And it's a perfectly good Christian word. We just have to fill it with Christian content. So what that means, um, basically, and I sort of, I sort of left off uh, at point number five. So this is from the outline. This is 4B, part two, and then I left off at, at, at part number five. So, you know, basically, what we say is, um, it's really, really good for you to do this. Why is that? Because it means you're chewing, you're stopping, you're taking time, you're concentrating on the center of your life, which is Jesus Christ. You're concentrating on Him, His Word, His baptism, His absolution, His Eucharist. You're concentrating on that, and that actually changes you. And that's very familiar language to you who are especially Lutherans. Luther, one of Luther's great discoveries was that the Lord's words do what they say. That was, the, you know, that was one of his great things. So when, when Jesus says to you, I forgive you all your sins, your sins actually go away. That's nothing new either. Go look at Psalm 29, the very first verse of Psalm 29. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. I mean, the Lord talks and physical things happen. So the Lord talks to you. Now, meditation is simply the listening of that. You pause for your busy day. How's your five minutes in the morning, your five minutes of night going? Really good. Okay, great to hear it. <laughs> you know, morning and night um, is how the scriptures talk. It's how, uh, you know, it's how, how Israel went to the temple. It's how Luther talks in the catechism. You stop, put everything else aside, and you meditate on this divine object knowing that it will change you your whole person you receive um, the grace of god through these words and you get changed so i'm at point number five you know how do we get going when we can't get going and that's the hard thing because this looks like a loop you know um you know there's you there's you and then you know if you meditate on christ then Christ will change you. And the loop looks like it's closed. It looks like it keeps going like this. You know, how do you get going? How do you, how do you, you know, what's sort of the entryway into that? I can't say anything other than to you who are baptized than the entryway is it's, it's the gifts you already have. So the Lord is love you. Kind of my ser- plea in the sermon for this morning was Jesus loves you, love him back. I mean, you all especially the answer, and I can talk to you this way because you are the baptized, because you've been to the Eucharist, because you have Bibles, because you know this is important. You know, really the thing is, is you just have to do it. If you want to change, you have to do it. It's like anything else. If you want your relationship with your spouse to change, you have to do something. If you want your relationship with kids, to ch- your kids to change, you need to do something. 
It's the same for work. It's the same for friendship. It's the same for yourself. So all I can do is say to you, every gift has been given to you. You've been baptized. You had a Bible placed in your hand at confirmation. You go to the Eucharist. You got a catechism. You know. It's a very simple thing. You enter this simply by doing it. Not now, you know, and I just am being really careful here, not because you made the first move, but because the Holy Spirit has been given to you. You're in the church. And once you're in the church, there is this, the Holy Spirit energizes you and moves you and changes you. The Holy Spirit is saying to you, yes, do this. Yes, yes, this is good for you. Do this. This is good for you. Yes, please do this. Just take a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes at night and start with that. That's all I can say to you. The gift has been given to you. It's yours. It's not unlike the Eucharist. The Eucharist is here almost every day at St. John. Not that you have to go every day, but it's there for you. It's up to you to go. Church is here every weekend. It's up to you to go. Your scriptures are there every day. Christ is present to you there every day. Just please, please give him some time. Give him some attention. And don't make him make you suffer in order to do it. Do it proactively. Because this is just what Christians do. This is what we do. This is the life. A ton of things are going to happen to you. We're going to talk about but and, and sometimes you're even going to be miserable because of it. Sometimes you're not going to be able to figure out how to do it. It's just so important to show discipline and obedience, which I hope you've come to see as good words and simply to set this time. It will change you and it will change your life. You'll be a different kind of person because it is the physical touch of Jesus. It is the word of Jesus talking to you. It will change you. It will change your life. It will change your kids. You know, one of my favorite stories is, you know, about I, from a monk. You know, a man comes to him and says, you know, you monks pray all the time and nothing and the world is still a mess. And the monk replies by saying, imagine what it would be like if we didn't pray. Right? Always two sides of the coin. Okay, so all I can do is beg you. The entryway in is simply to do it. <coughs> and then what you want to do is get caught in this eternal loop of you and Christ, Christ and you. And of course, it's not just you. It's the whole, it's the whole um, thing. When you do this, I'm just at point five. When Christ comes to you and touches you and acts on you and mercies you and bodies and bloods you and takes away your sins and blesses you, it's like anything else. You'll love him back. Christ loves you and you love him back. And then this great word that Luther used, Christ attunes himself to us and we to him, which is, it, it is the word actually for harmony. Christ brings our life into harmony with his. That's what will happen. And you might not always even notice it. Some days you have to notice it. You know, you have to notice it this weekend at Christmas sharing. There it is in front of us. It's really fun. It's really good. Do this. You know, you might have reasons why you can't or blah, blah. You've got to work. I get that. But they'll always, our job kind of at the church is to always give you these opportunities. But really, in the end, it's up to you to do it, okay? Listen to Luther at the bottom here. Scripture transforms its lover into itself. Jesus changes you into himself. Transforms its lover into itself and its strengths. It is light, so they are enlightened. It is truth, so they are disciplined. You want to be light? Embrace light. You want to be true? Embrace truth. You want to be little Christ to each other? Embrace Christ. Since these promises of God are so full of goodness, the soul which clings to them with a firm faith will be so closely united with them 
and altogether absorbed by them. So Jesus absorbs you into himself. That's what we mean by saying the body of Christ. Jesus absorbs you in as one body, right? That it will not only share in all their power, but be saturated and intoxicated by them. That's great language. It's a bit mystical, and maybe you're not used to Luther talking that way, but there he is, he talks that way that this means you can be happy in the church. You know, the church is not meant to be a crabby place. The church is meant to be a blessing to you. And if you live as a blessing, um, you know, people will be attracted to that because the world is a tough place. That's why you can't fight in the church. Because the world is already a fight. People don't need to come to church to have a fight. The church is the place where you give of yourself, you give in, the church is where you also discipline yourself and don't demand what you want. The church is a place where people live the way they live in heaven. It's so important. If a touch of Christ healed, how much more this tender spiritual touch, this absorbing word, communicates to the soul all things that belong to the word. And then this great image, just as the heated iron glows like fire, because of the union of fire with it, the word imparts its qualities to the soul. So I'm flipping the page. Christ's passion becomes a sacrament active in us while we're passion, while, while we're passive. And then this, this meditation changes a man's being, almost like baptism. This is very strong language, because there was nothing for Luther bigger than baptism. He's actually saying, morning and evening, if you're touched by this, this is a sacrament inside you. I mean, it's like confession. You know, we talk about confession, absolution is a sacrament. Um, but we normally think of there's got to be a word and then an element, a something, a material thing. So in confession, what's the material thing? So in baptism, it's a word plus the water. At the Eucharist, it's word plus bread and wine. In confession, what is it? It's word plus what's the element? Ah, uh, you need a physical thing. Ah, uh, no. How about you? You're the element. The word touches you and you're changed. So the word touches water and the water is changed. The word touches bread and wine and the bread and wine is changed. In absolution, the word touches you. Or in reading scripture, the word touches you and you're changed. That's how he can talk about it as a sacrament. This is a remarkable kind of powerful talk. How important this is. This goes right with you know, all Kleinig stuff about how important it is to pray um, and pray on your own. And, of course, the next thing, of course, to talk about, although the vicar talked about this last week, is, you know, as soon as you read Scripture, you begin to pray because Scripture gives you the words for your prayers. So, um, you know, this great, this great, great thing, um, Christ performs a natural and noble work, strangling the old Adam, banishing all joy and confidence and delight which man could derive from other creatures. So it refocuses you on the Lord as your most important thing, brings you into orbit around Christ, even as Christ was forsaken for all, even by God. Now that was the big pitch. I ended last time I talked to you by saying, you do need to watch out. Part of the, part of the deal is, you know, I can tell you to do this, and basically what I'm saying is, you take some time, even if you just start with five minutes morning and evening, and you pick up the scriptures, even if it's a verse, one verse, and you read it 
and you think about what this means in your own life, I can spin out for you all the good things that can happen. I'll also tell you that bad things will happen to you. I mean, if you want to be miserable, um, be an elder or on the governing board of a congregation. I always feel sorry for guys who say yes, that they'll serve on the governing board or that they'll be an elder because I know trouble will come to them. And we probably should be more explicit about that. People who lead in the church, people who say their prayers, people who go to the Eucharist, they get all these benefits, but they also draw fire. You're, you know, remember Luther saying, you know, when you baptize a kid, it's like you paint a target on him. You know, Luther has this ad lib that was reported at a baptism where he baptizes the kids, and then he goes, wow, we haven't done this kid any favors. That's a very interesting thing to say for a guy who thinks that baptism saves you. So it's this double thing, which is I'm telling you to do something which at the same time is going to make you wonderful and miserable. Okay? I can't help it. It's the way life is. When you get to heaven, it'll just be wonderful. But for now, it's going to make you wonderful and miserable. You're going to struggle. You know, it's going to be difficult. Here's the thing. That's the Christian life. I mean, I try to tell every vicar, you know, this is something you learn only after you do it. I mean, a pastor comes into... (coughs) what's called the cruciform life in, in normal theological writing, which is basically, if it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to you. Which is really something that should probably be told to people before they go to seminary. It probably should be told to you before you become Christian, too. I mean, we don't do you any favors when you become a Christian. It's the C.S. Lewis thing. The best way to damn a man is to leave him alone. Because you just wake up one day and you find out you're done for. Okay? So I'm I'm giving you full disclosure. Your life is going to be wonderful and terrible at the same time. What I'm asking you is, when it becomes terrible, don't overreact. Because here's the thing about evil. Evil, while it can be like 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 a flash grenade, boom, it wears out. First it becomes boring, and then it wears out. So there is, when evil comes to you, boom, suddenly you're stunned by this. How could this possibly have happened? But then what happens is evil plays all its cards up front. Okay? And then once you come to grips with the fact that evil actually happened and that it actually happened to you, what you'll find is is that its power is limited. It's never bigger than Christ. And Christ is knitting that evil together for your good. Romans 8, 28, 29, 30. He's knitting it together. And eventually, it wears out. Eventually, it just, it just can't, it can't sustain itself. Evil doesn't have this almighty, eternal power that Christ has. So evil comes in, boom, attacks, boom, rebels, boom, surprises, boom. And then what happens is, it wears out and goes away for a season. And then it will come back. So um, the thing for you is, this is why obedience is so important and discipline is so important. Because on days it's easy. When you feel like going for a run, it's not hard to go for a run. It's the days, you know, when you don't feel like going that you need to go anyway. Okay? In the same way with your prayers. On the days when it's easy to pray, pray away. Uh, But even on the days when you can't pray or feel like you can't pray, it's sort of important to go. That's why Luther himself said, often when I struggle with this, I just go to the church. Just go to the church and listen to other people's prayers. Even if you come and you can't even participate this morning, 
Um, although I will say there was full participation from the under three set, <laughs> which was great. What's, what's really cool is you have kids who are reacting to the ringing of the bells or to other things, to the up and the down. That's great. See, even when you come and you can't feel like you can't participate, you're still in the mix. You're still in the loop. So I just have to say to you, you know, this is why it's so important. You set your time morning and evening, and you do your best not to violate it. Now, the other side of that is, this is all written down in here, but I'm just going to give it to you because it's coming to mind. The other side of that is, it's very interesting how Luther doesn't torture you and say, you've got to start at 8, you've got to go till 8.07 every morning, and before you go to bed at 10, you've got to go till 10.12. And if you go till 10.11... You are really a horrible person. You're horrible. He doesn't say that. Later he says, every day you make the time and you kind of go, your duration depends on your mood. Isn't that interesting? Even, you know, for me too, I have days when I can barely get through a Lord's Prayer. You have to force yourself to do it. That's the strangling of the old Adam. Even if it's one, even if it's part way, you've got to force yourself to do it. Discipline and obedience. And you do that by saying, this loop is way better than living out here. You just have to remind yourself who you are and what this does. This discipline strangles the old Adam. You know, it's like taking medicine. If you want it to go away, take your medicine. Right? You just, I mean, people who don't take their medicine, it always mystifies me. When I go into a doctor, um, you know, I always say, I'm going to be the best patient you ever had because, as Jesus said, or as the centurion said to Jesus, I know what it is to be in authority, and I know what it is to be under authority. People who go to a doctor and pay all that money and then don't take the medicine the doctor prescribes, it always mystifies me just a little bit. Um, you know, your devotions are like that. Just do the prescription. And if you, here's the thing. Check back with me in 20 years, and we'll talk it over if it's not working, okay? You don't have the option of doing it, you know, a week or two and saying, hey, that's not helping me. You're not that good, and change doesn't come that fast. In fact, one of the things that stunned me in the church, I mean, one of the great lessons I've learned in the church and one of the great surprises for me is how slowly we all change, including myself, and how hard it is, how hard it is is for us to, to grow. Of course, one of the things that's also stunned me is occasionally you get these bursts where everybody seems to grow up at once. It's like, it's like when kids go through pure puberty. It's like, boom, all of a sudden they're a completely different person over the course of a year or two. It's amazing. So it's not unlike that. And I've tried to write this down for you um, under point six. So here's the good stuff that will happen. As you meditate, you'll have a clean conscience. You'll understand that God will listen to you and that he accepts you as his own child. So one of, the great, one of the great reasons people don't come to church, I'm sure of this, one of the great reasons people don't come to church and don't say their prayers is they're shamed. They feel like that this is a foreign place for them. This is especially true for kids who grow up in the church. They go away, they do things, and they think you couldn't possibly love them or accept them. Because here's the reason why. They don't know that you're all bums too. You know, you should wear the I'm a bum sticker with your name on it. That would make people from outside feel more comfortable with you, right? If people knew you were bums, 
happy bums, but the Lord's bums, if they knew you were bums, it would be easy for, easier for them to come to church. It would be easier for kids to come. Kids do the stupidest stuff. Um, if you don't believe me, have your kid unlock his or her you know, Twitter account for you for 20 minutes and then go back to what you were doing before, okay? Because um, that's the other thing. People will tell you what they're doing. But it's, it's, the great thing about this is you'll, you'll come with a clean conscience because this is what you'll hear. Jesus really loves you. Jesus is really for you. Jesus is giving you a gift. Jesus is putting himself at the center of your world. Jesus is baptizing you. Jesus is blessing you. And Jesus wants you to be near him forever and ever. Amen. That's what cleans your conscience. So you can actually come to God with a clean conscience because Christ is talking to you. I love you. I'm not against you. And that will teach you then to love Christ back. It is true although sometimes it's very hard, um, we learn to love. We love because we've been loved by somebody else. It's unavoidable. It's how it works for children, right? Children are born. You know, you love them. Even if they don't remember it, you loved them first. That's the way it happens also in baptism. Jesus loved you first. This is why I'm so comfortable talking about the Christian life as what you do, because I never say that unhinged from the notion that you were loved first. You were dead and you were made alive. And one of the things that just annoys me greatly about the church is the notion that church is just, just the only thing the church does is try to keep you out of hell. That is nonsense and antichrist. When Jesus says, follow me to people, he doesn't say, follow me just so you escape hell and live any life you want. When Jesus says, follow me, he says, give everything you've got, even if it kills you. That's how Jesus talks. And it's great to be in a place where you talk that way too. I mean, if you just think about, if you think about St. John, if you just think about St. John, um, think about how easily we talk about coming to Bible study, for example. Think about how many people come to Bible study every week. You know, there might be 500 people who come to church on Sunday. There's 300 people who come to Bible study during the week. That's unheard of. Think about how easily we talk about money. It doesn't hurt me at all to say to you, you should give 10% of your gross salary to the church, and then we'll talk about what you can do next for Christmas sharing. I mean, that's just normal stuff. I mean, that's just the church. Why? Cause, not because not of this, but because otherwise the church can't do any good. People are starving to death. I mean, you know, people are going straight to hell. If you don't give 10% of your salary, not because you're under the Old Testament law, but because Christ loves you and he needs your money to make the church work. So, Karen, I am really on a roll here. I'm about to give them this, but go ahead. Maybe I just need to take a breath. Yeah, exactly. Karen, don't help me, okay? Don't help me. I just, I'll self-discipline. I'll self-regulate. No, go ahead. Right. You're the perfect example. Can I talk a little bit about your father? Okay. Karen's father grew up in Germany in World War II, and he's a Jew. Okay, so if I'm not hurting you, I'm just going to tell a little bit about you. When you came to us, and I met your father at first, he wasn't suspicious, but he was a bit reluctant. Like, who are all you crazy people? Okay, now I will just say, over the course of the couple of years that I've known your dad, your dad has gone from wondering what in the world goes on in that place to when your dad comes... He seeks me out. He's very genial. He's completely respectful. People talk to him. And I think he's very comfortable with us, and we're very comfortable with him. 
okay, now that's genius. Because, you know, as you recall, we're German Lutheran in origin. So that always rings a lot for German Jewish people, and we have to pay attention to that. It's also, we're Christian and he's not. And yet, because people here are kind to you and relieve some burden from him, he feels comfortable in our place. So what I would suggest to you is your dad is a great example of what the church can be, and your dad is in a different place now than he was two or three years ago, wouldn't you say? Okay. So that's a great example of the church working. He's not our guy yet, but it's not impossible that he could be our guy sometime, right? But he's not going to become our guy by clubbing him over the head. He's going to become our guy if when you see him, everybody loves him and acts like this is the place where he belongs, right? That's how the church works. Karen Crawford, not heard from in weeks, but now about to speak. Yes. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. But the thing is, is it's great when that comes naturally. And we're sort of in a period right now where it's coming to us naturally. I mean, this is a great season to rejoice in in St. John. Things are calm. Things are kind. Um, things are, are ordered. And things are getting better and better kind of day by day. What you should all do is relish that. Um, but you should also use this period of time to grow up and prefer, implement a discipline. And we're starting with prayer, but we're, um, I'm sorry, we're starting with meditation, but we're going to talk about other things like prayer and fasting and silence and all these other things. When you have a period of calm in your life, you should use it not to just, you know, sit on the beach or, you know, lie on the couch with the remote. That's okay. You do need some rest, but... You also need to use peaceful times to build an infrastructure. And that's what you should all be doing right now. It's a very happy time at St. John. And you're very, very fine people. And yet, I tell you, um, the one question that I fear on Judgment Day is, man, you were a pastor in Wheaton for a couple of decades. Those people were very, very bright, very, very wealthy, very, very powerful, very, very educated, very, very type A, how come you as a pastor couldn't get more out of them? That's the question I fear on Judgment Day. Okay? So if you would all help me out, that would be great. <laughs> you see? So we have, I mean, you can, I mean, I mean, come on. If you, if you, you come to St. John, you've died and gone to heaven. Really? I mean, between the music and the liturgy and the space and the people and the possibility and the mercy. But we've just sort of started. You see, we've just sort of started. So you all need to use this period, and I do too, to, you know, build the infrastructure. You know, I said to you, it's like, you know, this is how the spiritual life is supposed to go. You know, higher highs and higher lows. So, you know, it it goes like this. Even though you're going to have periods that go like this, you want it to go like this. Make sense? So we're in a peaceful time right now. Use the time. Use the time to be kind. Use the time to help people who are struggling. Use the time to put it into place for yourself. That you always come to church. 
that you always say your prayers. I know you're going to have days that where you're going to miss. I have days where I'm going to miss too. That's the nature of being sinful, that sometimes old, the old Adam gets the better of us. But this is a time now, you know, we have a season of kindness and mercy and peace. We have a season of this. At some point, you know, there are clouds on the horizon and there will be trouble. That's just the nature of life because if you push against darkness and evil, evil and darkness are going to push back. We're in a period of light and joy, so make the best use of the days. That's completely biblical stuff. You got it? This is our time. This is our time. So um, just kind of make the best use of it. Still good? Um, I have this at the bottom. I said this to you before. Sometimes you're going to learn a lot in a very short time. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to stretch you in ways and give you opportunities that you can't believe and that um, you sort of stumble into. My advice to you, my hope for you, is that you'll um, maybe in this serious, in this season of, of um, kindness and mercy and light and joy, that maybe you'll bite off just a little bit more than you can chew sometimes. Because it's always good to be pressed a little bit. It's always good to be pressed forward a little bit. And if you don't have the other things, I can't wait for the next voters meeting, you know. As you, you know, you've discovered over the years that voters meetings aren't always my favorite thing. But um, <laughs> the next voters meeting, I mean, the next voters meeting, John Crow or, you know, Dave Eisenhammer, somebody, Matt Strutzel, I don't know, somebody's going to stand up and tell you how great things are. And then, I'll just tell you, you know, sometime in the next year, I want to stand up and say to you something like, we really need to have a stewardship campaign or a capital campaign, or we need to have a real serious talk about money because we don't need any. That's going to be so much fun. That's going to be the best meeting I've ever had in the church in terms of meetings. Because there's going to be a point where we're going to be able to say, you know, and it's probably in the next year, we're going to be able to say to you, hey, we want to all give a lot of money because we don't need any money. That's going to be a fun meeting. Budgeting is going to be fun going forward when budgeting is not about, oh my goodness, if you don't give a lot more money, we can't keep the lights on. It's going to be very different when we're able to say, and it's not far away, you know, it's months away, not years away, where we're going to be able to say, hey, what do you want to do next? You know, how can we bulk up the things we do and how can we do new things? Not too many, but to do, you know, a few things well. But what are those things and how... And, and, you know, one of the real chats I want to have with you is about, you know, we haven't talked about stewardship, money stewardship. We've talked about stewardship of life. We're talking about that right now. But we haven't talked about money stewardship, you know, in a year or two. Partly because there's, you know, you can get exhausted talking about it. We've intentionally left it on the, on, on the, on the shelf. But we're going to get a chance where we're going to say, it's really time for you to examine yourselves. It's really time for you who are at 5% to bump to 10%. You guys are still at 10%. You need to think about you know, what more that would be. Everybody needs to kind of clean up and get going. Not because, oh my goodness, if you don't, you know, the whole thing will turn to ash. But because the possibilities are so great. And there is going to be a day. There is going to be a last day, as you heard last week and this morning. There is going to be a last day when Jesus says, what would you do with the gifts I gave you? And we want to have a happy answer. You know, that the best answer is, I did all I could. I did every last thing I could do. That's what I did. But that's the right answer. So that's, that's kind of what we're aiming at. Karen.
<clears throat> so you think I should say to your father something like this, you know, I like you and you're not a member. In fact, you're not even a Christian, but you should probably give us a lot of money. You think that would get your dad to come to church? You know, I think I'm going to send some elders over to talk to him first, okay? And then if it works out, they can have full credit. I'll kind of follow, I'll do the follow-up, close the deal type of thing, okay? It's a very interesting strategy for building the church. And, and not impossible. Anyway, an aside, yes, please. Yeah, but he, he, so it is Christ who does the work, and we don't want to get in his way. It's often, I'll give you the example, I often talk to, there's a strain of preachers in the Missouri Synod who think that if they just show up and say something about the little baby Jesus, it's all going to be okay. Yeah, what they don't realize is actually they're sticking their leg out and tripping the Holy Spirit on his way to the altar. You know, if you can't get a subject and a verb in the same sentence, you probably shouldn't preach. Now, it's a frightening thing. In fact, I actually left the lectern today thinking, no lie, I'm not just, I know you all know what I said. I left the lectern today after the first service announcement. I was thinking, I'm absolutely frightened about being here. The strangest thing. Because it's holy space. And you don't, as you know, I mean, you did this a little while, you know that you don't always approach the altar with the greatest confidence. Right? Because there's more things going on. There's something wrong if you're not a little bit shaky. Yeah, right. So, but the thing is, there's the other side of it where you just sort of cast all human... Uh, effort to the wind. Here's the deal, okay? Christmas sharing is not going to happen on Friday and Saturday if we all just say the little baby Jesus will do it. But it is, in fact, the little baby Jesus who is doing it, right? And it's it's the tension of those two things. It's the tension of saying, he does it because I'm dead without him, but he does it through you. If he doesn't do it through your hands and your feet and your voice and your money and your energy and your kindness and your mercy, it's not going to happen. That's how the, the great joy of being a Christian is that Jesus lets you play too. When he says, follow me, or when he says, the disciples come and say, teach us to pray like you pray, and then he says, okay, which presumes a couple of things. One is that he prays, and two, that you're going to pray too, right? So we're, on the, we're, we're sort of on a very, um, we're on a sophisticated edge of Christianity, one of the fun things, one of the fun things about this group is you're not new at this. But I also don't think you know how far you can go. So you're not new. This isn't, I haven't said anything new to you in 10 years. But you, um, you also don't know how far you can go if you simply embrace the things that Christ say, says. No? But what the cool thing is is that the prerequisites are all down. The Eucharist is at the center of life. You understand that it's Christ's work through you. You understand the basics of doctrine. You know, you've lived it in many, many ways. But we have just sort of scratched the surface given the possibility and potential and talent in this congregation. And really, it's incumbent on you all individually. A pastor cannot do this for you. I can't love your wife for you. I can't say your prayers for you. I can't raise your kids for you. I can't live the Christian life for you. You can't do it for me. But we can all do it together, and if we all do it together, it's this remarkable thing. But it starts with Christ at the center of the orbit. And if you, the hard thing about human beings is if we don't listen to Christ every day, 
we suddenly, it's suddenly us talking and not Christ talking. Right? People say stupid stuff all the time that they attribute to Christ, which is really their own talk. The only way to straighten that out is for you to spend a little time in the morning and then evening listening to Jesus talk to you. That's all there is. Now, here's the thing. If you do that, it's really, really good, but um, you're also going to suffer. Yeah, I did about one page today. I'm so proud of my progress. <laughs> we got to go to church. Uh, anyway, but you did let me say a lot of things I've wanted to say to you for a long time. And this isn't stuff that you know, is the first day I've said it. We've talked in elders a little bit about this. We've talked in the governing board. I've talked to, you know, certainly Pastor Nelson about it and, um, you know, various other people. But it was nice to actually be able to say it to you out loud. It's a really, really great time at St. John, but it has to be the beginning of time and not the end of time. Okay, it's the beginning of a really, really great thing. And that's, that's great. So two things. Discipline and obedience, you build this infrastructure and two, at some point it will end. And don't be surprised when it does. It'll end because there'll be challenge. <laughs> it doesn't mean, I don't mean the progress will end. I just mean that, you know, it'll look like those Russian roads that the bishop shows us pictures of occasionally. It'll be like that. And then things will dry up and then you'll move forward again, okay? Uh, I don't know, got to go. We'll come back to this. Love you. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, go home, try to get your five minutes in the morning and at night. Three minutes then, okay? or seven, whatever, but please set some time. Thanks.